Hey, it's Chris. Chris Ryan here. <laughs> oh, my. Another episode of Tell the Damn Story. Is it that time again? Wow. Is it that time again? Seems like only uh, a week ago we did this. <laughs> that's true. And, and next week we'll be feeling the same kind of feeling of, hey, didn't we just do this? Yes. But and we'll say the same things. Or, or, or maybe we'll be more creative since we are wordsmiths. That is the podcast life, brother. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah. uh... Here we are, kind of having a a little bit of a uh, success with our latest blackjack venture. Yeah, we we really are. It's it's been kind of wild too because I mean you know we've been uh, we've been doing this now the rapid reads that we've been doing blackjack rapid reads. It's over a year, and yeah. and what we we've, we've got uh, uh, Revolt of the Red Star and and three other titles that have come out over that time period. People can get for free on your website or my website. That's right. Um, And then there's Ransom for a Dead King. Right. Mansa Musa. Yep. That's about Mansa Musa. Yes. Mansa. Yep. And then we have Drive. Yes. Um, Not Driven now. Drive. (laughs) No, that's right. We have Driven. (laughs) And the backup store, the other story on that is your story. Yep, Red Haze. Uh, Red Haze. Yep. And then we have the unpredictable dark end of the rainbow. Which I still chuckle whenever I see that because I remember your original pitch. And I said, that is so bizarre, I've got to go for it. Yeah, putting our world-traveling international adventurer on the set of perhaps... One of the most, the top three most famous movies made in the 30s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In and color. But our latest one, Trial by Fire, Trial by Ice, is once a, once again bringing up a familiar conversation from the people who bump into us. Yes, yes. What, and are, what are fans saying? They're saying, wow, the subject today. did you ever think about trying to get this made as a movie? <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know what? This would be great on Netflix, yo. Yeah. I got that a couple of times. And then they talk about different... Um, actors. Actors. Yep. You know, this guy should play Blackjack. This guy should play Blackjack. Yeah. I even found myself doing it. I have to confess. Please Uh-oh. forgive me. Um, there was some, you know, the, the, the hype on Avengers 4 is up to lethal levels. Mm, yes. And they Hazmat suits. Any little part. So they were talking about uh, the evolution of Thanos. Mm-hmm. And they had that little, you know, that just little second in the first Avengers, one of the post-credit scenes, where he turns his head and smiles. And they had a headshot of the actual actor. His name escapes me, as most do. But I looked at his face. I said, oh, my God, that's Blackjack. Not only is that Blackjack, that's Tim Fielder's uh, depiction of Blackjack, the one with the... The jaw that you could have an Olympic swim team dive off of. You know? <laughs> or, or, could, or could double as an aircraft carrier. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, you know, we were, we were talking about what, what's the next episode about. And we said, why don't we talk about the process of taking those fan requests uh, and and kind of following the logic of what it would take to get Blackjack made or get any of 
people's projects made. Yeah, and, and I, will, I will start off by saying that, uh, folks, in the 20-some-odd years that I've been doing Blackjack, you know, from point of creation till now, there have been numerous adventures in, in La La Land. So today we're going to be talking mainly from my experiences and referencing one or two things that I've heard from others. But mainly we're going to be... So I, I get to be the interviewer. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, I get to ri talk about riding the Blackjack Trail. Yes, the trail to adventure, yeah, in Los Angeles. So let's start, let's start with producers, agents, and directors. Yes, well, that's, that's a cute place to start because those are the folks generally, actually agents, yeah, those are the folks that generally uh, approach uh, an artist or a creative team or who, whoever owns and controls the property they're interested in. And, and usually they'll come to you, and I'll tell you just very quickly, um, one of my first experiences with that was I was, in Los I was in San Diego at the San Diego Con back in the late 90s. And uh, someone came up to the table, saw the blackjack books, got all excited, and began talking to me about wanting to present that to producers and, and an agent's uh, rep out there and all of that and try and get a deal on this because they thought this was the greatest thing in the world. And, you know, I agree with them. It's the greatest thing in the world. And I had, you know, I'm a New York boy, so I'm not living in L.A. chasing that dream. So I said, fine, we'll talk, we'll talk, we'll talk. That was the first time that had happened with a property of mine. And so, again, you're in this situation where whether it's a producer, an agent, a writer, a director, whoever it is who sees the property and thinks, yes, this would make a great movie or, yes, this would make a great TV series, they're going to come to you and they're going to start that dialogue. And your gig, <laughs> your responsibility at that point is to listen. That's the first thing. Um, especially if you're brand new to this, listen to everything that's said. I'm not saying believe everything, buy into everything, agree to everything. No, hear everything that they're saying because a lot of decisions are going to have to be made from that very starting point. Well, um, before we get into the next point, can we, uh, can we tell, uh, kind of amusing anecdote about one of our adventures in the screen trade um, involving a certain director involving a certain director oh we're being we're being um, tricky there I guess I have to ask because uh, there have been several <laughs> I'm trying to think which one well, are we talking this is the one that involved me uh, delivering the material oh oh <laughs> oh so so you fill in the blanks from your side, but um, Alex calls me up and says, listen, um, or I, I guess we were talking just, we, we talked normally. This was, oh my God, this was so many years ago. Yep. Um, and I happened to mention that I was going with some friends to the NBA All-Star Break Convention at the Javits Center. Mm -hmm. I think they did this one year, you know, the, the, when the All-Star game was going to be in New, uh, at the Garden. So they had all this stuff at the Javits Center and a couple of friends of mine are real big NBA fans and I'm fans of my friends. So we went <laughs> and in the conversation, you said, oh, you're going there? 
listen, and you told me, can I, I guess I can use his name, right? Yeah, why not? It's the truth. So, Spike Lee was interested in Blackjack as a, a, a film. Potential possibility, and yes, right. Potential possibility. Uh, and he needed to get uh, copies. Mm-hmm. So, I had some copies of uh, the first arc. Uh, was it a four-part? Uh, Three-part, second bite of the Cobra. Yep, so I got, I think I got two copies of each, uh, put it in a... Um, uh, in a bag with some backing <laughs> so it wouldn't mess up. And I brought it in and I told my friends, listen, I got to go find Spike Lee. <laughs> and they started laughing at me. They said, all right, we're going to watch you talk to Spike Lee. So they followed. So now I have like five, four or five people, three of which are brothers, following me, laughing at me because they think there's no way I'm going to get near Spike Lee. <laughs> and they were right. He's on this panel, and there's all these either uh, celebrities or up-and-coming celebrities that were going to talk about the NFL, uh, excuse me, NBA. So I go to the security guy, and I said, listen, I'm not, I'm not here as a fanboy. I'm here as a delivery guy. Uh, Spike Lee is interested in a property my friend has. I have materials he needs. What's the best way to get this package to that man over there? Tiny little Spike Lee. <laughs> and uh, guy gets all serious. He says, you've got to wait right here. <laughs> I said, all right. And I look at my friends. They are rolling. One guy falling, <laughs> taking a knee. And uh, they go and they get this uh, young guy. Uh, you know, he had like the super serious haircut, super serious glasses, and he comes up, like, with a frown on his face, like he's going to have to, you know, shoo this fly away. <laughs> you know, no, you know, he starts in with a spike, not giving autographs. I said, I don't, I'm not looking for an autograph. And I go through the whole story again. I said, I got these, this material that he wants to take a look at. I don't even have to meet the dude. I just have to make sure it gets to him. <laughs> Wait here. <laughs> like he lurch. Back, yeah. Right? And brings a third person. This is a young woman. And she looks me up and down and says, what do you want with Spike Lee? Playing <laughs> the story again. And just in case people haven't looked at the picture that goes with the podcast, I'm fairly white. <laughs> So for some reason, they have no idea why I would want to talk business with Spike. So I realize I need something that's going to make the connection. So I open the bag, and I lift out so they can see the cover of uh, uh, Blackjack, Second Bite of the Cobra. And they see that great Hildebrandt cover. Oh. Right? And she goes, oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so I put it back in the and she, and she says, I'll get it to Spike. I said, no offense. I needed to. I need to see it get to Spike. She says, "Watch me." <laughs> <laughs> and she takes it and walks up the panel, whispers in his ear, slides it out. He goes, gives her a nod, never looks my way, <laughs> and 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 she places it next to him. And as she's walking, she never says anything to me again. She just gives me a nod, like, "Yeah, I did that." And and there you go. Now, from your end, what happened with the Spike Lee project? Well, this... this Because he was told some interesting stuff. 
Yeah. Well, here's 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 what's going to happen is, uh, because we're going to cover a lot of territory with this particular um, topic. Uh, I will say what I'm about to tell you now is indicative of the industry. Yes. And it's not a dig at Spike at all. Okay. No, not at all. He, he, Spike he, he was, was interested. Yes. Yeah, Spike was, was interested in the property. Uh, he had not seen it before. I forget exactly how he heard about it, but he was interested in the property. The book got to him. Uh, thank you, Chris. You know, <laughs> crawling so, under barbed wire, so funny. <laughs> taking fire from the from the enemy. My friends, my friends did not stop teasing me about it the entire <laughs> night, even on wow. the But wow, so, really so what happened was Spike, <laughs> Spike, like a lot of people, especially again going back to agents, producers, directors, and writers, all of them may have faith in your property or may have a curiosity about your property or may have a real desire to, to try and do something with your property. But there are, um, there are moats, there are fences they have to climb, there are, they, they have to storm certain castles to get the deal finally done. And so Spike had what's called a first look deal with Columbia Pictures. So any property that Spike was interested in doing he had to show to the studio first to see if they'd go for it, almost like a writer first refusal. But he had a, a deal with them to do some sort of, I think it was like a two-picture deal or whatever. Anyway, so the bottom line was, because um, I never had a direct conversation with him. I was always dealing with his representatives. But the bottom line seemed to be that what happened was... Me neither. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> there you go. To this day, still haven't spoken to Spike. But to uh, what ha what I, did happen I is yelled at him once at a Yankee game. Hey, Spike, when are you gonna make the blackjack film? You'll be fine, Chris. Anyway, he's have, his people are coming for you. Anyway, he <laughs> he must have presented, or as it was explained to me, it was presented, and Columbia passed on it. Um, now this is we're talking the uh, late '90s, early 2000s, and so ultimately, as I said, this began a series of experiences, or I should say, this was a portion the early days of a series of experiences that I encountered with this property. Um, again, the, anybody who first approaches you, like I said, again, agents, writers, directors, even an actor, uh, anybody who has, has a desire to be a part of your property or to take your property and try and get a deal done has to go back to X number of people and uh, studio and all of this and get a whole bunch of people to sign off on and money in the bank before that deal can happen. So my encounters with Spike and several other people along the way uh, was very similar. And I will, believe me, I will go into that. Uh, but I can name right now Mike Newell, um, uh, Spike Lee, James Bruckheimer, um, Oh, there's just like two or three other producers in there. Uh, as a matter of fact, right after he finished Spawn, the actor Michael Jai White was working with an independent producer, and that producer approached me and brought Michael to a San Diego Comic-Con, so I got to meet Michael Jai, and, you know, the talk was maybe he could play blackjack. So there's been a lot of that different people wanting to try and get something done with this property over the years. But it starts with, again, someone approaching you or you getting to them or running into them somewhere, them seeing the property and going, yeah, this looks cool. Let's see what we can do with it. All right. So let's go over, just to make sure, let's go over a couple of uh, uh, terms. All right. Mm -hmm. So I'll say the term. 
and you define it. Property. Property. That's the item of interest. So uh, in my case, it's a comic book series. So that would be the property. The blackjack is the property. Uh, if it's a, a Men in Black, that was also, I think it was two issues. I think they okay. only did two yeah. black, black and white black issues. Yeah. But that became the property. Men in Black, that's the property. Um, it could be a novel. It could be a play. It could be a biography. You know, All so right, now, that's the property. Let's talk about contracts. Contracts. Oh, oh, oh yes. Okay. Define so your, 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 first, your first tangle and tangled web that is woven is the contract. Again, let's work with the principle that there are intermediaries. Someone has talked to you about taking your property or working with you to take your property and get it turned into a film. So we're going to, in this case, we're going to say it's a producer or an agent. So first contract or agreement is going to be between you and the agent or you and the producer because you have to define, you two have to define your partnership, your association. So a contract is going to be a written form. It can be two pages long. It can be 12 pages long. Depends on the complexity. That outlines specifically exactly what you expect, exactly what they expect, what you're willing to give up, what they want, and hopefully what you're not willing to do in order to get this deal done. Okay, so tell me... Um in your various dealings on the blackjack property, what rights did they want? Most of the time, most of the time over the years, they wanted all rights. So they wanted the right to make movies, uh, TV series, anything on the, on the Internet, especially, you know, over the years, because starting from late 90s going forward, the Internet began, began to become a possibility of a platform for things. Uh, streaming, uh, a la uh, Showtime and HBO, uh, DVD, you know, they wanted the rights to that. So basically they wanted that control. Then they also wanted um, uh, merchandising uh, rights because they had learned from the George Lucas experience, <laughs> you know, that this stuff could be valuable. Uh, and if you don't know the George Lucas story, uh, we'll bring it up sometime. But so well, they wanted the right to make... He said... I want the merchandising, and they said, sure, because nobody buys that shit. And, oops, sorry, it's probably the first time we've cursed on this show. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> yeah, my, it's George Lucas's fault. Um, and they were wrong, and George made a fortune. Um, and, and let's identify merchandising. It's T-shirts. It's children's books or coloring books. It's, it's sheets. It's, it's toys. It's video games. It's any and all of those things that are not directly a part of the film, but are spun off of the characters and the concept of the film. And then let's also define, uh, define the market, because um, I forget which, oh, it was the actor, the Vision, uh, the guy, who, uh, Paul Bettany, who does the Vision, the Avengers. He was being interviewed, and he was talking about, uh, do you get a piece of the merchandising? This is a small piece, but it piles up. Mm -hmm. He says, you'd be amazed how much, how, how many pairs of uh, Vision underoos sell in Brazil. And yeah, and, when and, I heard that, yeah, and that's a thought. The punchline, but holy crap, all of this stuff that's being marketed, they're not just being marketed in the United States. That's right. It's Canada, it's Mexico, it's all of South America, it's, it's global. Of Europe, New Zealand, Aust you know, Australia, 
worldwide. So that's why they want a piece of it. That's yeah, and if you figure, if you figure for, again, for people who want to play with the numbers, just think of it this way. If you get a penny on every dollar that's spent on the merchandising, and it's globally sold. If you get a penny on a hundred thousand items, one item, like the underoos, you know, or a million underoos, you get a penny per. Right. That's that's real money. It adds yep. up. You know? yep. So, and if you so get that over what? a period of years, it accrues to sometimes phenomenal digits. All right. So let's talk about the options you were not willing to give up. Well, over the years, my, my mindset changed drastically on this. Um, and I'll, I'll come at this from two perspectives. One, in the very, very, very beginning, having never had any experience with this, having a lawyer and all that, but still having had no experience with this, um, what I had heard from others was that, you know, Hollywood's going to grab for all that. And if you don't go for that, boom, no deal. So there were certain things I knew, like I didn't want, the one thing I, I started out always arguing for is, no, you do not modernize him. You do not take him out of the 30s and put him in present day because then he becomes Shaft or one of 150 other black men with guns running around the urban city because half the films or three quarters of the film wouldn't take us out of the ghetto anyway. So I said, he stays in the 30s. That was my, that was my bottom line. That was the, no, we don't negotiate beyond that. And for a number of years, everything else they wanted, I was saying, okay, 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 okay. Uh, most recently, as you know, and very, very few people do until this, this broadcast, uh, very, very recently, um, I signed an options deal. And it started with negotiations with a producer, who shall remain nameless at this point, as will the, the others. But it started with this producer last year, discussing exactly what I w was willing to and not willing to give up. And in this case, it was not only, no, you do not take Blackjack, Aaron Day, and put him in present day. That's, that's a deal breaker. The other deal breaker was, I will not give up the rights to writing my own character in books. And pr previously, that had been, they wanted the rights to, to do books and comics and everything based off of the movies and the character. So they wanted to really pretty much gobble up all rights. And you can say no to this, but, you know, if you don't say yes to the rest of the stuff, they're going to walk away. Well, you know, at a certain point you realize, you know what, if you're not willing to go with me on this, then walking away is probably the best deal. So the, the producer and I agreed and was signed off. I get to do continue to do original stories on my character and their book rights was something else. And... Then when we got the opportunity to actually sign with a studio, boom, they agreed as well. Fine. He gets to hold on to these rights, and anything he has to do with that is his. And the rest of the terms, we all agree with. Are you chewing on wood again? I've, I've warned you about that. Who, me? Yes, I'm here. <laughs> no, I don't know what that clack, clack sound is. Oh, sound oh well, well. it's not here. But, okay, anyway... Strange. Someone's eavesdropping. Hollywood's eavesdropping on us. So anyway, so that that was my you know my my deal was I did not want to be in a position where I could not write my own creation, and I knew that there were certain things I was not going to be able to do once the deal was signed and and you know if the gods are kind and and it all goes through, there were certain doors I was not going to be able to go through because I don't have those credentials at this time. So I I sort of stood my ground on these two options. They're mine.
All right. So um, how long do these rights last for? It depends on the contract. There's that word again. Um, you can do one that's a two-year and then if they want to continue with the process, maybe they haven't got a film deal yet or a TV deal or whatever it is, so they want to continue trying, then they have to uh, extend the options, which means usually uh, more, you know, maybe no more negotiation, but certainly a little bit more money. Um, or you can do it for a year, because once again, who knows what's going to happen. It's very much um, a crapshoot. It's very much a roll of the dice, a spin of the bottle, you know, because I like spinning bottles rather than roulette tables, um, but it's, it's very much a, a gamble. So it can be a, a year to two years with uh, options to re-up or to, you know, to extend the option and to renegotiate certain amounts of money. And each time they do that, they have to pay you. That is the, the desired effect on some option deals. And again, I'll go back to being fully transparent uh, some of the early option deals that, that I accepted back in the early, early days of this, no, there was no money up front. And that was because um, a lot of times, and we're not talking about poor people working out of a, a flea bag hotel trying to get a movie done. We're talking about s some substantial individuals who will ask you uh, or tell you, look, no, uh, there's no money up front. We want, you know, we want to tie it up for this period of time. Because uh, we're gambling, too, and we're this and we're that. Because they don't want to give you any money. They don't want it to cost them if it doesn't work. So how so, did you handle that? Uh, in the beginning, once again, uh, golly gee, sir, okay. And and then there was, um, and again, I'm, I'm trying not to use names uh, for the most part. There was a, a young man about maybe three, four years into this merry-go-round. There was a young man, young filmmaker, you know, struggling, trying to get it together, didn't have any major bucks, no, no, no big studio or, or team behind him whatsoever. And he respected me and the property and dug into his pocket, his meager little bits of, 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 of coin, right. and said, no, the right thing is, you know, I pay you what I can. If you accept it, great. If you don't, I'll understand. And I went, okay, that's it. He has now set the bar. Stay tuned for part two. Stay tuned for part two.